0: Jingle, 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 jingle bells, jingle bells. Jingle. Wow, Shula! Hey. It really sounds like you have the spirit of Christmas. You know what? I do. I am so excited for Christmas. Oh, really? What, you don't have the spirit of Christmas?
1: I mean, it's getting there. I'm just not, like, sleigh bells ringing, jingle all the way there yet.
0: Wow. Maybe the book, The Autobiography of Santa Claus by Jeff Gwynn, will help get you there. Maybe. Merry Christmas! And what would a Christmas podcast be without Jingle Bounce?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've used those several times now for yeah.
0: a holiday cheer. At least three times. Um, maybe three even. Isn't that what I said? Three? Oh, I thought you said two. <laughs> 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 My bad, I can't hear <laughs> Well, I mean, Kira's like, hey guys, I want to be on the podcast too. Woofity woof woof. I mean, she's usually such a quiet girl. Now she's like,
1: no, I'm in it to win it with you guys. She is.
0: <laughs> Let's be honest, there's probably a fox out there. Yeah. Or, or a possum. The possum <laughs> likes to come back there. I'm like, go ahead, come back there, eat all the ticks.
1: I mean, they're good for that, but they're really scary looking.
0: Uh, They're really soft. Did you know that?
1: No, because I see a possum and there's no desire for me to ever touch one.
0: So, at our fall festival, we had what is called Possum Acres Sanctuary come. Possum Wood, sorry. Possum Wood Acres Sanctuary. Animal Sanctuary. And they came out and they brought a possum and some other animals. And that possum was a hit with all the kids like they were like this is so awesome I came over and I met it and I petted it and their paws are like really amazing I don't know why I think their paws are really amazing but their paws were like they're kind of like little human hands but like they are like that's so gross to me (laughs)
1: <laughs> An animal should not have human hands. It's not really humanoid,
0: but, like, I don't know. I, I, Possums I don't know are it.
1: scary. Possums are scary, and it's weird that their first letter and how you spell it is silent. Oh, I'm going to say it. Opossum. Oh, possum. Opossum. Oh, pa- possum possum oh, oh, possum oh, pa- possum <laughs> Okay. So, anyway.
0: Anyway. But, welcome to Potheads Who Read. Potheads who
1: read. I know. I'm Josie and that's Sheila. Yeah. Welcome. I kind of feel a little out of practice. Although we've talked and seen each other, I feel like it's been a while since we ge- actually have done this.
0: Just a little bit.
1: It feels nice to be back and like yeah. talking and recording and doing this. Um, we had a nice break that gave us a good uh, buffer. And then we we're used back. it. And we've <laughs> we have used buffer, that buffer, and now we're
0: back.
1: <laughs> we, we have definitely plan. used the buffer.
0: We had a plan, and it did not pan out like it was supposed to.
1: Yeah, I mean, October and November were crazy busy for both of us. Cheeked
0: our butts.
1: Yeah, unexpectedly. And now we're. it's December, and the holidays are here. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm like kind of pseudo done shopping for everybody and
0: kind of have no idea what to get some people and good for you because i i basically haven't really started i have a couple people (laughs) done the rest of everybody i'm still like crap what am i gonna do so kudos to you but i do have to say go ahead no go ahead i was gonna say i do have to say um we had a really awesome time the 9th of November with you and Andy up at the uh, North Carolina Renaissance festival.
1: I had so much fun too. And I know Andy had a lot of fun. Unfortunately, Andy is not on this episode to really talk about it with us. So we might have to bring it up again on the next episode with him. But
0: um, we can talk about all the, all the, the, all the Andy things. (laughs) Yeah. There were some very funny Andy moments. Yeah,
1: and a lot of it did happen with his family because I actually stayed with his parents. And they are so funny and I like them a lot and they were really nice and let me stay with them and very hospitable. And um, I got to go to lunch with them one day and it was actually really funny because we decided to take advantage of this time. The three of us were together. We were like, let's take like (laughs) podcast photos. We'll press photos and we're like we're going to do a photo shoot we had <laughs> costume changes oh we had all of this stuff we're like let's go to a park let's take advantage let's do this and it was the best because Andy was totally trying to downplay it to his whole family and they're like so you're like doing a photo shoot and he's like no it's not really like that we're just getting together taking pictures <laughs> I did not realize he was downplaying it and I was full on like no we're that's exactly what we're doing as a photo shoot we have different shirts. We have just specific things that we're wearing. There's a, a specific agenda for these pictures. Right. And Andy was just like, "I was trying to downplay that," and I was like,
0: "Why? That's exactly what we're doing." We're doing. The only thing was is we did not have a hired photographer. We did not. Eric. Eric our, and then we, and, each one of us, we were taking photos. photos.
1: Yeah, we all took photos of each other. Um, We (laughs) actually, I really like the pictures. I can't wait for us to get them all uploaded on our file. Yeah, I need to do that. I I know, me too, and Andy does too. But all the pictures I have are awesome. They're They're so much fun. Yeah, it was just really funny because Andy doesn't talk about his podcast a whole lot to his family, which is totally fine. Um, so, but it, so they were just like, so, like, what do you do? What's this podcast? And But we uh, went out to lunch with his family, and I had, like, full conversations with them. And he was just like, I was at the salad bar for, like, two minutes. How did you have all of these conversations
0: with my family? It was really funny. It was a
1: really quick trip, but it was Packed full of a lot of fun. So
0: fun and catching up. and it Yeah, was
1: it was great to, like, catch up in person and not just yes. over Skype and, like, over the phone or texting. Because the three of us talk through text message, like, almost a lot. every single day. Yeah. In some shape or form. And this was officially the first time you and Andy met in person <laughs> after years and years.
0: I think um, you need to tell them what he said about me after you two got in the car. Which oh, my gosh. it was I so found funny. it absolutely hilarious.
1: He was like, I mean, I knew she was short. I just didn't realize she was, like, a little person. <laughs> and I was like, well, she's not, like, a little person. Like, she's not a midget. Sorry right. for all the people out there who think that's yes. not BC. But I was, like, it's, she's not, like, a midget. And he was, like, well, no, not, like, a real little person. But she's, like, little. He's, like, right. I did not realize that she was that short.
0: Well, and he's, and like, in the
1: pictures I know she's short. And he, even I have told him, like, that you're so much shorter than me. He was, like, I just did not realize that she right. was that short. And I was, like, well, to be fair, she also had her Birkenstocks on. So I was, like, she was even extra short because she had, like, no type of, like, platform or anything in her shoe.
0: Right. That night, I think it was like 30 degrees or something. So here I am walking around in my Birkenstocks because that's what <laughs> I do. But um, he's what, like six foot something? Yeah. Is he taller it's than two Eric? Six two. Okay, so because Eric's six foot, so I think he was a little bit taller than Eric. Yeah. So I'm five two, everybody. So he's a good 12 inches taller than me if he's six two. So it's not like I'm, <laughs> I'm not crazy tiny. I'm just. Tiny, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was funny like the, the, putting ha, the, the some of the pictures were with me right next to him. I do kind yeah. of, I am kind of dwarfed by him, you know.
1: I mean, I'm five six on a good day, I'm like five six and a half, almost five seven, depending on how much I've been stretching, right? But I Look really small compared to him, too. Like, sometimes when we take selfies or whatever, when we're together, we have to position ourselves <laughs> differently. So, I don't look so tiny compared he's, to him. Like, he's tall, he's a tall guy. Yeah, and, and yeah, it was I'm just used so to funny. Being,
0: I'm just used to being tiny next to really tall people, right. It's just hilarious that, like, he's, like, I didn't realize she was that short or that tiny. Yeah, he
1: was, like, she's just, like, a little person. It was so funny.
0: Yeah, so that
1: was really fun. It was great to see your son, like, so excited about the Renaissance Fair. I mean, it was really great just to see him. I always love going around him and even like some of the other like little kids that are like my family like when they get so excited like I just love that like when you guys picked me up from the airport and he was just like oh, you're gonna sit next to me like he was so excited I was just excited. like I can sit next to you like yeah. it's just always like a little
0: heartwarming I know I love it and then him and, and then Andy, Andy I got became yes yeah, <laughs> like your son was like
1: Is Andy coming to dinner? And I was like, no, it's just me for the birthday dinner. And he was like, oh. I was like, I'm not good enough for you anymore, child. I don't
0: know. There (laughs) was something about Andy that just, like, stole that boy's heart.
1: Yeah, it was really funny. But he did... He did redeem himself, because at, di- at his birthday dinner, he came and sat between us, and he was like, I have to talk to Aunt Jojo. I have to tell her something. I have to talk to her. I have to talk to her. And you were like, okay, as long as it's not about the Power Rangers. And he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's so about the Power Rangers yeah, right he's now. He's really into which the Power Rangers. Amazing.
0: And so, there's a lot of talk about Power Rangers, and there's times where I'm like...
1: No more Power Rangers. But... <laughs> It's the same as like when he used to get excited about all the trains, and then like, yeah. well, oh, like last time I saw you guys, his fifth birthday right. it was Mario Kart or PJ Masks. So it was just like it's kind of fun to see his like
0: his maturity and like yeah. the progression
1: of what he's into. Right. Although he was, you and I were texting about this. He is one of the children that I am shopping for that. I was like, what am I going to get? And I was like, obviously something power Rangers. It's literally the only thing he talked about the entire weekend. And there it's so hard to find beast more for power ranger stuff, which there is a difference. And I am not about to make the mistake of getting him the red one. That's a dinosaur and not the Puma or the Cheetah No, it's the cheetah. I was like, I'm not gonna make that mistake.
0: He would probably be okay with anything. Like he would prefer probably the cheetah or the puma, whatever it is. But oh. he would take he would take anything Power Ranger right now. Aunt
1: Jojo's got it covered. We're good.
0: I Check. Good for But you. it was
1: but I was like doing research. I was like, Okay, what's the difference <laughs> between them? <laughs> you're
0: you're such a better person than I am because I feel like Power Ranger bought it <laughs> like, <laughs> I would <laughs>
1: look I have to compete with Andy now I can't just be like I mean Andy's not gonna buy him a present I'm like but is he
0: buying him a present I mean no he's not but, just,
1: but um, I just have to compete with him because I'm one competitive and two I just it's like the griffin claw in me it has like I have to be the best and it has to be correct that's cool. <laughs> you know how I am. Um, yeah. yeah, I yeah I can't wait to hear more of Andy talk about it because we talked about it that weekend a little bit, yeah. but not a lot. Because for those of you who did not know, this is like Andy's. It's not his first time at a Renaissance fair, but it's his first time doing like full out. Like we were dressed up, he was not. It's not well. We made him dress up.
0: We made him. <laughs> a shirt and a sweatshirt. The front says on the t-shirt, says muggle. And then on the zip up sweatshirt, it says muggle. And actually one of probably my favorite moments at the fair was I had, I had gone to the restroom and then, or somewhere and I came back out and Andy was gone. And I go, where's the muggle? <laughs> and yeah, I can't remember what you said. And Dash is like, muggle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and <laughs> there was a the girl at the beginning
1: in the front when we were getting yeah. our tickets. and She's like, I love your hoodie. Yeah. And when we gave it to him, we were like, Look, if you're not dressing up like us and you're going to be a muggle, you're going to broadcast that you're a muggle.
0: Exactly. So, so it
1: actually ended up working out really well.
0: It worked out. So it
1: was fun. Like, it took this was his first time going like beginning to end. People with him were dressed up. Yeah. We legit went to, like, things. We did not see as many shows as I wanted to see, but we did get to see a couple shows, which were a lot of fun, which he had
0: admitted that they never really saw the shows before. we uh, So we went and saw the, the final jousting uh, yeah. event. Just so you know, apparently at the North Carolina Renaissance Festival, if you sit, like, 50... The fifty yard line, essentially. It, it's the splash zone or the yeah, spray it's zone. splash zone. The <laughs> the guy got punched, and then like I wasn't paying attention. Like I saw him get punched, and then like I was just still watching. The next thing I know, Josie's like, "I just got sprayed with fake blood." <laughs> <laughs> and then like I'm looking at her, and she does. She has this red splattered all over. And then the people in front of her are like, ah! and the mom is like don't touch it and rub it in to like the, the yeah. kids and it was hilarious and so this mom is like freaking out about this sp- the, bl- the fake blood splattering on them yeah. and Josie and I are like laughing our butts off and I'm like here let me take a photo of you because you got splayed with fake blood yeah and like we miss like I don't know how many minutes of the thing because we were laughing <laughs> and taking photos. There of.
1: were two, at least two or three fake deaths that we missed out of like five or six deaths. So we missed like half of it. But it was so funny. I'm just glad that I had your red cloak on. Because I had a white top on underneath the red cloak, which would have really been like red all over. But there was like, I couldn't figure out like on the red cloak, like which part had the blood. Because I would just, like, touch something, and then it would just, like, cause a smear, and I'd be like, okay, I just found more of it. And then, like, there was one point where I, like, touched my head, and I was like, oh, it's in my hair. And I was just like, where is this blood at? I don't know. It was really funny.
0: But I can
1: remember. I was like, okay, I could have sworn I've seen the jousting at the Renaissance Fair that I go to out by me. And I was like, I thought we went to the very last one. And they did not have, like, a fight to the death or anything like that. And I actually saw my friends this last weekend. And I was like, okay, did this happen? Am I making this up in my head? And they were like, no, there's never, we've never seen a fight. And then my one friend was like, we didn't go to the last show. That's why you didn't see it. And then my other friend was like, no, we did go to the last show. And I was like, okay maybe as
0: North Carolinians I a little think, bit I, like
1: but I've never seen them selling like the flags I've never seen them sell, uh, selling like the shields and stuff like that yeah so they were getting really into it it was pretty cool but it was so much fun to see even like dash during that and then like when was, he got to meet the knight at the end of it he was like so excited
0: it was he cute. was it was cute it was I don't know we've been to the renaissance festivals in the past and he's enjoyed them but this time like he was definitely older and he went into this because he was like I want to make this and I was like well you can't make that you have to have like somebody you have to have like a blacksmith make it and he's like well where's a blacksmith I'm like we're going to see one at the Renaissance Festival and I told him that it was like for the Power Rangers something he wanted made for the Power Rangers and I was like well there will be one at the um, Renaissance Festival he's like so I can ask him to make one I'm like well kind of not really because <laughs> they only make things from their time period <laughs> like uh. and he's like well what's that i'm like like 400 years ago <laughs> <laughs> and he's like well why can't we make power ranger whatever he was power ranger stone or amulet whatever it was he said and i'm like because that's the future to to the renaissance festival and I, he really didn't get it. But seriously, from the moment we walked in, it was, I want to go to the blacksmith. Yeah. I want to go to the blacksmith. And that was, like, his his main goal. Yeah. And it was so funny because, like, Eric's, like, he looked at the map, but Eric couldn't find it on the map. I don't know why. Your map was stupid.
1: It, it, it had uh, a lot on it. That seriously was like one of the hardest maps to read. How long were we looking for the jousting? And it was literally in the box in the center, like
0: at the top. We were like, oh, right in front of our face. Okay. I guess Eric handed Dash the map and Dash was looking on the map and he found blacksmith. And he goes, mom, see, we need to go here or we need to go to the blacksmith. And I was like, well, where is it on the map? And he's like, right here. And I'm like, oh, good job. You found it. And a little, like a little while later, I was talking with Erica. I was like, Eric Dash really wants to go to the blacksmith. And Eric's like, if there's even one here. I'm like, there is. It's on the map. <laughs> and he's like, no, there isn't. I looked at the map. I'm like, Dash found it and pointed it out to me. <laughs> like, we're still kind of reeling from, like, the fact that our child can read. Right. I mean, I know he's seven. But, like read blacksmith blacksmith is still kind of hard a little bit like he but he totally That's got a it a tiny
1: bit more advanced you know
0: and it and it was kind of fancy writing like he totally mm. and that map was confusing like that kid yeah spotted it. we're still kind of going oh we can't spell stuff and we can't like <laughs> expect to say let's go here and you know he can look at the sign and be like oh we're still getting to that point in our life yeah. where like It's new that like our child has this newfound magic ability of knowing what's going on. I'm just glad
1: I know how the blacksmith came about it now because I was telling Tori about Dash's obsession with the blacksmith and she was like, (laughs) how did he even know about it? And I was like, it had to have been a conversation that they had. I was like, I don't know how it got started. I don't know what happened, but I was, like, there's no way he would have just heard the word blacksmith or whatever. Like, it would have had to have been a part of, like, a conversation. And I was, like, but he really was all about that. And then after that, he was about the sabersmith. And, like, I was, like, but we sat and watched the blacksmith, like, booth for, like, a solid, like, I mean, by the time Andy and I caught up to you guys, you had already been there for at least ten minutes. And we sat there. If not longer. And we sat there for probably a solid 20 minutes.
0: Right. It and was just watched. so funny. Yeah. We just watched. Like we didn't do anything but watch. But that's okay. Eric
1: was a good dad and did get up and take right. him to see how much everything was just in case. And Because
0: at, this was their first year doing it at this Renaissance yeah. Festival. But what they they were doing was they were doing lessons where you could go pick out your whatever it was you wanted to make there were like knives wands i think a amulet or a pendant or something Mm -hmm. like that i don't know what else eric Mm -hmm. said but but it was i think 35 was like a wand or something and the amulet or the pendant and then like the knives were more expensive but we decided not to but he bought a sword yeah, he bought, he bought a coin. Or... Oh, my
1: gosh. And he cut not that he really had to twist our arms that hard because Andy and I were like, these are really cool. <laughs> but the coin necklace that he got, he was like, are you guys gonna do it? I'm getting this, you should get one. And Andy and yeah. I were like, yeah, we're gonna totally get one with you. I have gotten so many compliments on that. necklace. Yeah, isn't that
0: awesome. So yeah. the coins to so people know we're it, talking about there's a a guy there that you you can pick out your design you pick out two designs one for each side of a coin and then they put it in the the molds or whatever and they put the coin in and then they drop like what was it like 500 pounds or something like that
1: Uh, I was gonna say 50 but it might be 500
0: I don't know it was a lot it's a lot of weight and he cranks it up yeah, and then he basically like like a,
1: lifts, a guillotine, like yeah, cranks it all the way up, and then he hits a lever
0: and it smashes down, slams it down, and it puts the impression of the the molds into the coin. So at this, so it
1: does both sides at the same time. Yeah, but it's like really cool because like each thing means something. Yeah, and then you get to pick your metal, and then you get to pick this
0: tarnish or no tarnish.
1: Yeah, like tarnish or no tarnish, like. Andy and I got ours antique, so we did a bronze that's antique, so it's, like, a little bit darker, not so bright. Dash didn't do the antiquing, but he got the the bronze. Yeah, he got bronze shiny. But they had, like, a gold. They had a silver, and it was all. yeah. Yeah, it was, like, really cool how they did it, but that was, I mean, we were at that booth for, like, Probably a half hour, 40 minutes. Yeah, Yeah. I was going to say like 40 minutes. It did help that we were also getting like hot chocolate and some other (laughs) stuff. But it was so, yeah, we did, they did some archery. Andy, my favorite moment with Andy was (laughs) when we went to the (laughs) archery. And he was like, Oh, I'm actually really good at this. And he does it. And he goes, Look. And he let go of the arrow. And it literally went five feet and just stuck straight up in the ground. Yeah. And it's, I have a picture of him being like, like, smiling, like, Hey, look. And you see that little five foot thing (laughs) just like sticking out of the ground. It's so funny.
0: Well, those arrows were, and maybe it was more of the bows. There were some issues with them because, like, Dashes were not going into the hay bales like they would bounce right off. Yeah,
1: it was funny. It was good. It was a uh, lot of fun.
0: I, I love that type of stuff. So stuff. yeah, was
1: it was a lot again. of fun. I know. We'll make it annual. <laughs> make
0: it annual. Make it <laughs> wherever wherever
1: you're at. We'll find the the yeah. Renaissance Fair. Yeah. Maybe we'll get Andy uh to dress up next year. Well, I think we may. We might have him him convinced. I don't know.
0: We may have him convinced. (laughs) I mean, even if we just buy horns or put (laughs) put him little horns to put in his hair. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Which I almost did.
1: I know, and I was like, I don't think he would wear it unless he thought it was his idea. And then the first thing out of his mouth is, I thought about wearing some horns, and I was like, dang it, that's the
0: one thing I told Sheila he probably would not do. Josie talked me out of it. I know, I really
1: did. I did not know Andy in that moment. I should
0: have just gone with my gut. Oh, well. Next year. (laughs) Oh, well.
1: All right. So, um, So, this is the part where we do, like, a Harry Potter fact, and i'm doing it a little different this episode so it's not really an actual fact but more of like an explanation of a moment or mm. like a like a setting or something right. um i found this on a list from screenrant.com and it's the 10 best holiday moments from harry potter and I'm going to actually mention number three because it goes really well with our book that we read this month. Yeah. Um, And number three of the 10 best holiday moments in Harry Potter is seeing the different gifts the trio would get each other. And this is what it says about it. Um, Given that Harry had such a tragic childhood where he was first orphaned and then raised by abusive and neglectful relatives, it's Always endearing to see him build a family full of people that care about him. The most important people in his life during his time at Hogwarts are Hermione and Ron. It's always enjoyable to see these three picking out gifts for each other. Harry always likes to give bigger gifts, and Hermione gives really thoughtful ones. Ron might not have as much money to spend, but he gives as much as he can. Nice. I, know, I, really, I do, too. I really like that one a lot. I feel like it's just so true, and it tells you so much about the characters. Right. In their gift-giving. Because Harry, like, I just love it because I know that Harry's not, like, giving him big gifts to be like, look at the money I got. He's literally just doing it because he never, like, there was, like, one year he got, like, a hanger. Right. And, like, a used sock. So it was just, yeah. like, for him, like, giving the gifts was just so much enjoyment. And then, you know, Hermione is a little bit more sentimental. Right.
0: Well, she she gave, like, Quidditch through the ages or something like that to Harry yeah. Potter. So, and he that was when he got on the, the, you know, he was on the Quidditch team. So... Yeah. Like, well, it was Ron something the, he liked, but it was helpful, too.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then, like, with Ron... The movie movie Ron is not as endearing and enjoyable as like Book Ron. Right. And Book Ron, which is what this the facts, even though it's screen facts, it's really referring to the books more than the movies. Mm-hmm. Um in the book, he really is that person who would literally just give whatever he could.
0: Yeah. He could.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Right. Friends. Sheila, what did we read this month?
0: So this month we read the autobiography of Santa Claus, and it's by Jeff Gwyn. And um do I do my thing now or do I do the pro- the description first?
1: Um the description, and then I will do the plot line. Oh, and then I do my why. And then you do your why.
0: Sorry, folks. We don't know what we're doing. It's been a while. It's been a while. Okay. It all started when Jeff Gwynn was assigned to write a piece full of little-known facts about Christmas for his paper, the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. A few months later, he received a call from a gentleman who told him that he showed the story to an important friend who didn't think much of it and who might that be asked jeff the next thing he knew he was whisked off to the north pole to meet with this very important friend and the rest is well as they say history an enchanting holiday treasure the autobiography of santa claus combines a solid historical fact with legend to deliver the definitive story of santa claus and who better to lead us through 17 centuries of christmas magic Then good old St. Nick himself, families, will delight in each chapter of this new Christmas classic. One per each cold December night leading up to Christmas. And this was from Amazon.com. Goodreads had the same description. Very nice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, 30-second-ish plot line. <laughs> we meet Nicholas when he's a young boy about 12 in, I believe, the year... It's like
0: 200-something. Yeah,
1: or... I was going to say 800. Oh. It might be 200. It's a long time ago, people. Oh. Um, Christianity really hasn't spread at all yet. Um, they, You find out that he's an orphan. He's left with this hotel that his parents had created for him and he just kind of sees people around him that need that need a lot of help and he feels like he's the person who can help them so he goes to a priest who is like he's like hey what can I do and he kind of as a 12 year old starts sneaking in because he finds out that there's this family where this dowry is needed for these three girls and he's like this the man's too proud for um, charity so how do I get this in there so he decides to sneak in. He has a couple of failed attempts. He ends up figuring out how to do it as he gets older. and he starts in I think it's Petra, which is like common day, like Italy or something like that, like that area, right. You end up just seeing him through the centuries, yeah, and as he gets older, like he ends up kind of mysteriously like learning that he travels a lot faster than normal people. He doesn't really know how that happens. And then he rescues a slave, and the slave starts to follow him. And then all of a sudden, they kind of are like, oh, it's 130 years later, and we look the same. (laughs) And they both travel through the the centuries, and they just kind of collect people the whole way. And you end up seeing his whole journey of gift-giving, and what it means to him and what the spirit of Christmas is for him, um, his friends who end up joining him on his journey, and for the people around him, all the way up until about, if I got the timeline correct, I think about
0: until about the 1930s. Well, they go a little bit farther. Not much, though. Like, the last, like, like, they talk about video games for Well, briefly. they talk about some
1: of that stuff and they jump around, but
0: the... yeah actually
1: cover yeah goes up until about the 30s because they they kind of jump around throughout the whole book they jump around the history of like how things happen and what they do how they make money for the gift giving who does what how the and you you learn how they're able to spread out all over the different regions and give the gifts and who helps them do all of that. So they cover it more like through like future stuff that's coming up and it's kind of like, yeah, we end up giving a hand to technology. Yeah. Um, I don't wanna, I don't wanna go into it yet, but I actually ended up writing down all the different characters that end up following them at some point or that they connect with, right. and kind of what they do and who they are. Uh
0: huh.
1: Some of it is like very obvious what they some would are, do. Yeah.
0: And some and of some it, of they're it's people. Yeah.
1: Uh, some of its people and their roles kind of change through the time, yeah. but they do kind of tell you like this is future. Like we put our hand in technology for this, we do this. Yeah, this happens. One, but no, like, I guess so that I was one trying example to
0: that say does- was sorry. What I was trying to say was like they kind of talk about like up, like it, it goes up to modern times, but like the histories kind of stopped at around the thirties. Yeah. Like, they kind of talked a little bit about, like, now-ish or 2000s, yeah. I would say. But it's very brief. It's, you know. It's a couple lines. It's subtle. It's, yeah. like, these
1: inventions were happening. Yeah. This is how we made our money. They mostly sell. And, you know, it's kind of early as well because, like, when they talk about the video games, they talk about how they sell it to, like, American companies. hmm and now I feel like it's a lot of, like, overseas companies that's, like, really stepping up to technology. Right. Really quickly, just, like, one one thing to not really give it away is that, you know, like, the character Saint Nick or Santa Claus, he actually goes to an artist, Hans Son- uh, Sunbloom, uh, who does all the art for Coca-Cola because he's mm-hmm. tired of how he's represented. The
0: trade. Yeah. And
1: they tell him, like, they say in there, like, This is when I went and saw him, which was, like, the 1920s or whatever. And then they're, like, he did all the art for over 35 years until he retired. And I saw him every single
0: year. Yeah.
1: So, like, that's kind of how they do it and spread out the the history of, like, the timeline.
0: Yeah. So, I picked this book because, believe it or not, years ago, I found the sequel... How Mrs. Claus Saved Christmas at a Dollar Tree and I bought it and then I'm like I'm not gonna read it until I read the first one (laughs) and so I so it's always been on my list of what I wanted to read and I decided that that I wanted to read it for Christmas for this so to maybe get us in the Christmassy spirit the holiday spirit. (laughs) A holiday spirit. That's that's basically why. So, (laughs) So, I'm like, what's next? It's our initial initial (laughs) impression. That's what I thought. So, Josie, what's your initial impression?
1: (laughs) She didn't like it, apparently. I did not like it. (laughs) I liked aspects of it. Sheila and I were talking before because this book they hit on the the date the 25th the 24th of December they also hit on the date of December 6th and January 6th yeah and they bring these up as like important dates for one reason for how they're able to actually get to all of the children Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and it's like different regions and different cultures celebrate certain things so like The Dutch and some families, stuff like that, like, they celebrate St. Nicholas Day. That's the day they give the presents. That's December 6th. And then December 24th and 25th is held specifically for the religious ceremony. Right. And then for some people, January 6th is, it's like the, like, it's, that's when the um the three kings it's the came. It's the epiphany. When the yeah. three kings come, they call it the epiphany. And so that's the day that they actually give the presents, because that's the day that Jesus got the presents. I did not get, <laughs> Sheila pointed this out. She's like, oh, I just got, there's like 24, 25 chapters. And I was like, yeah, I know. And she <laughs> was like, oh, I just got like the correlation of that. And I was like, oh, i felt every chapter that's why I was I knew how (laughs) many chapters there were
0: (laughs) and I didn't realize that I was just like oh you could have read one each night of the month of December yeah right before Christmas
1: I feel like if you were reading this with a
0: kid that
1: would be really awesome to do and I could see reading this with a child maybe I don't know I felt like My initial impression is I felt like it was just, like, a lot of propaganda, Mm. and so, and it was not at all what I was expecting, which I guess is never a bad thing. I just, like, it didn't take me out of the spirit. It didn't put me in the spirit. I just read a book, basically, is kind of how I felt. I feel like I'm making you look so sad right now. You guys cannot see her face. I'm not mad I'm not mad I'm not mad I promise (laughs) not even mad like I feel like I'm just making you sad (laughs) she's a Grinch (laughs) I am a Grinch (laughs) which I have talked about this several times on this podcast that I do feel like what is going on in your life Reflects how you read something sure, yeah. and I have had a lot of stress I've been really busy and I've had a lot of things happening like at work so I think that's like part of it too and I also have not been sleeping well and I am like a big like the one thing you can't deny in this is the research that was done yeah and the author Jeff Gwynn yeah he He, you can tell he's really trying to put, like, he's definitely trying to follow the correct dates. Yeah. He's, he's really trying to push to make sure that it's, it goes with the historical timeline and all of this different stuff, which you can, like, I enjoy things that put care into that. Right. Um, Even if it's like I was watching a movie this weekend, like total side note, like I was watching a movie this weekend where I was like the movie just kind of took me out of it because the movie set up a very specific timeline. They Uh set up things that should happen. And it's like it was an action movie where this girl got like capsules put into her hand. And a, a scientist was very specifically like, how many hours have you had it in? And she's like, 30 hours. And he was like you have to hurry and take it out of your hand because you only have 48 hours. And then, like, the timeline of the rest of the movie, it was like, this was clearly longer than 18 hours. <laughs> and she's right. still alive. And then it was like, we have six minutes for the satellites to, like, activate, blah, blah, blah. And then they have something that shows, like, a time, like, being, like, time, like a, a, a stopwatch or whatever where it's, like, timing down. And they're, like, at... 15 minutes, and everything's, like, still deactivated, and I'm like, but you clearly said six minutes, like, that stuff annoys me, and so whether it's fictional or real, like, I really like it when the writers and the, uh, like, authors or whatever take the time to really set up a proper timeline, Right. and he definitely did that, and it was pretty cool, like, not necessarily, like, how people interact with him, but how he wrote about all the different time periods, because you literally
0: go for, like... You, You go through almost 2,000 years.
1: Yeah, you're going through a lot, a lot of time period and time change and stuff like that. And there's even one point where he goes back, like, before, like, the... B.C., A.D., like, year zero. He even says mentions some stuff that happens in, like, B.C., like 400 B.C., so you even have, like, 600 years before that. Right. So, I mean, he does put a lot of care into it, which I can appreciate.
0: That's good. I'm glad you can appreciate something
1: about this book.
0: (laughs) I mean, I appreciate a lot of it. There's just a lot of it that really also kind of annoyed me. (laughs) So, I liked it. Uh, I liked it for like the history aspect of it and how like Santa may have become who he was because of everything and who he met along the way and how history affected him. There was so much with Christmas that like you learn about the other cultures and how they did Christmas and how they tied it all together that I think sometimes we don't realize as a society like, like we know that Christmas is like, a little bit German and a little bit this and a little bit that, you know, like, but we don't realize, like, how much of it is from all sorts of other cultures and how current Christmas is what it is because of what's happened the past 2000 years. Yeah. I mean, I had fun with it. I I will admit, after looking at my month, I decided to go audiobook again. And so that may be a factor into this too, that you know, hearing somebody read it to you with the the character voices that may have yeah. Changed me or that and that may be why my ver like my thought process is different than Josie's. I think I that... mean,
1: there were several times I sat with full intention to sit and read this book and it literally mm-hmm. made me fall asleep. I'm sorry.
0: I had I mean I <laughs> No, enjoyed it's it. okay. I, I mean, had I enjoyed it. Well, you know, we're driving and it was kind of fun. Not that, that Dash was ever really paying attention, but sometimes he was paying attention when it was on and he was like, Santa Claus? And then he'd start to listen and then so like it was fun to have a book on that he kinda took an interest with. Not a not a huge one, but you know that and it wasn't gonna ruin and it wasn't ruining the idea of Santa. Yeah. Cause sometimes I feel that that's hard, you know, like,
1: yeah, this might be the great debate of potheads who read right now. Cause I think this is the first book that you and I have not agreed on. So, yeah, it's okay. I mean, yeah. So when I say, when I say like the propaganda of the book, I guess the thing for me is like, obviously war is bad. Nobody likes war. Nobody wants to hear of, like, loved ones going off to war. Like, even in the last decade, we had a big push, like, support your troops, like, da da da, like, all this different stuff. Because, and you even hear about it, like, in past wars, like, Vietnam, troops were not supported. It was a war people didn't support, the troops weren't supported. And so when we had this last, like, big... I guess, like I don't know, like, decade long years, war yeah. or whatever. um Yeah, 20 years. Like, us still, like, sending troops over to the Middle East and, like, all this different stuff. And it's, like, people obviously didn't agree with this war. And I feel like Vietnam was, like, still present in a lot of people's minds. So there was a big push, like, support the troops. Right. And it's, like... There was just so many chapters where it was like, and there was another war, and war slows us down. Why is all there this war? And it's like, yeah, no
0: shit, nobody likes war. <laughs> like just stop. I just have, I have to say, like it didn't come across as it was mentioned a lot oh to me. Oh my gosh, so I much. don't know why. Maybe it's just my life. Maybe it's because your life, you're in that military. <laughs> life. It's all I fucking deal with. The bombs go off. So I have class. I take class, online classes. And we have to, like, do this. Sorry, this is a little segue. And we have to do, like, little breakout sessions and talk with our classmates about things one time. And where I live, I have helicopters flying over me. I have bombs bursting. Well, not bombs, but artillery bursting. Like, my house shakes sometimes from it. Well, one night, we we get into this breakout section. And the guy I'm with goes do you hear that and I'm like no I thought it was something like <laughs> technology wise and he goes sounds like a cat purring and I'm like well my cats aren't around so <laughs> and then I listen and I go sorry I live on a military base that's a helicopter flying over my home right now it doesn't phase me I'm so I'm yeah. so used to it that and not that, like, I'm used to war, but I can see how, like, in the book, he chose to make how war slowed down Santa Claus's and his his people's power yeah. to move. Because they would move faster when there wasn't a war. And then if there was a war, they kind of moved at, a, like, a normal human pace. Right. Or maybe even a little bit slower. And I can see how that is because... When at war, life is very well, not I've never been at war, but when my husband's been deployed, there are days that just drug on, yeah, and it's, on, and so right, for, it's disruptive,
1: guess, it's chaotic, yeah. it drags it drags There's to like tons of destruction, the people you're missing your loved ones, yeah, and Christmas is like the spirit of peace, it's joy, it's celebration. I totally get that. But it literally was like, why can't people stop war? And it's like, oh, my, okay, I get it. Like, I mean, they were like, and the Dark Ages, we're not even going to go into that because the Crusades just made it impossible to do anything. And I'm just like, I get it.
0: (laughs) Uh, I just want to say I looked up when this was published. It was published in 1994. So the past 20 years (laughs) have nothing to do with this book.
1: The last 20 years have nothing to do with it. Really, like, 94, this would have been, like, dial-up, like, internet. So, like, cell phones weren't really a big, like, weren't really a huge, huge thing. Yeah,
0: Super Mario's were just getting really kind of big. Which they mention. Which they mention, the little plumber. They don't
1: call it Super Mario, they're very... Mm -hmm. They're very, very specific to call it a game with two plumbers and a princess. princess which I was like,
0: what? And then I'm like, oh, <laughs> Mario. <laughs> yeah. But, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's funny how, like, you know, just, like, I guess your perspective.
1: It wasn't just the war either. There was some stuff about, like, there was a little bit of stuff about, like, the slave trade and stuff like that, too, where I felt like it was just really heavy-handed, where I'm like yeah, everybody reading this book is probably going to agree with you that that shit's bad. Right. And so it just was like, and I'm not even saying that, I don't know, I feel like this is such a hard topic to, like, cover without, like, saying stuff. But it's like, I'm not saying that it wasn't bad and it shouldn't be discussed. I absolutely think it should be discussed. Which is, And the only reason why I know that it really stopped heavy on the timeline probably around the 30s, is it talks about World War I. Yeah. And it says nothing about World War Two. Yeah, they hadn't which talked about it. I can understand, given everything, why it wouldn't want to cover World War Two. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I was, like, really hesitant. Like, I was hoping it wouldn't mention it, because I did not want to read any more about yeah. why it's bad and how every country was in it and everything. Yeah. Um, But this is not to say that I I hope that people listening to this podcast, if you have not listened to previous episodes, you would know that I'm a huge history buff or whatever. And you and I talk about the importance of like discussing the Holocaust and discussing war and all this stuff, because if you don't discuss it, it just becomes absent-minded and like, history has a tendency to repeat itself. I just felt like it was, like, super heavy-handed with that. I mean, there was even one point, so, like, if you get into the cast of characters that come along with, all, with Nicholas along the way, I mean, two of the characters, you have Attila the Hun mm-hmm. and King Arthur, who end up joining his ranks at right. a certain time. And there's, like, even a point where it's, like, Nicholas is like and these guys just want to talk about war and it's like well yeah war is all they knew and even though they were both tired of it and wanted to overcome it and like they wanted to do good in the world because of all the destruction that they made it was just like another thing where there was even parts where they were like and they're just arguing strategy and war strategy and they'd be like this would be done if they would just follow this strategy and I was just like I can't can't."
0: I, I will say I feel, a little, I feel like a it's a just overlooked. totally my life. I feel like it's just totally my life like it didn't phase me. Like I, all that I I found it yeah. kind of interesting that like they were like let's let's take this new route but they still wanted to talk about what they knew, which I think we all do a little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So
1: and I mean I I will say I also feel like a little bit of it is what's happening in the world right now and like our society where I feel like there's a lot of stuff kind of getting pushed down our throats and it's like overload. And so I, and I've had this conversation with people before where I'm like, okay, this is obviously really important information. People need to know it. Information is what kind of stops ignorance or hopefully stops ignorance. It doesn't necessarily stop it. So it's not it's not even that I I don't think it's what people need to know. I just feel like there's an extreme way to do it and I feel now that like with social media and the news and everything else there's it's just coming at us at all angles yeah. all the time and it gets very overloading.
0: Yeah, I think it does. It does. Yeah. We can get they're calling it social media or Facebook fatigue. Yeah. There's, that's a real thing now, folks, just so you know.
1: I mean, I legit, like, and I've been like this for a few months, where I, I'll scroll through Facebook for, like, 10 minutes. If I don't see something in that 10 minutes, I'm not seeing it. Because I just I just can't, like, with everything. And, like, some of the stuff is so negative. And I, I appreciated how they tried to keep everything, like, positive and how it was, like, this is good. Like, this is what we need to do. Yeah. And it was really, like... I, I will say it was a lot of fun in like some of their explanation of how they were able to cover all the different areas at one time, right? Because he does start to pick up people along the way.
0: He does. He <laughs> met his wife. yeah,
1: he met Felix first, and then he Felix. met his wife, Layla.
0: and who Felix was a like a Roman uh, slave, yeah. And then and he,
1: yeah, he paid for him. He paid was for like. Him. Yeah, and then he freed him. <laughs> yeah, paid for him, and then freedom in the same moment.
0: And then Felix is like, "I'm, I'm with you for life." So. Yeah, he's
1: very loyal. I, very I like loyal. Felix's character. Me too. Um,
0: I liked a lot of the
1: characters.
0: Yes, I did not like all of them. Did you like Santa Claus? He was kind of cynical sometimes. Uh, yeah, not as cheery as you would think he would be. He was kind of um, he's not optimistic.
1: Yeah. Like he's he's not optimistic. He I would say he's kind of a realist, but I mean,
0: yeah, a realist. I was gonna say like
1: it, a negative realist. Like it, he's going to he's going to call it real, but he's going to like look at the negative side of it before the positive.
0: It made him more relatable though. Yeah. It's like the holly jolly Santa all the time. Like you feel like he's like they made me fat fatter than I really am or they made me short I'm not short I'm a normal sized man you know like yeah I think like we all kind of are a little irritated by yeah he definitely showed it and talked about it so like I liked the realisticness of that and like even like when because he picked up people like Michelangelo folks and Michelangelo's like showing him something he's like I have no idea what you're talking about yeah, and and then Ben Franklin's like, here, let me put it in layman's terms for you. Yeah, and he broke it down so Santa could understand. Like he he really was just kind of this cynical, realist person, and I I kind I like that aspect, even though like he's not the holly jolly Santa, but he still had a really big heart and wanted to yeah. help.
1: I mean, right? Which is what drives everything, yeah. and it's the story that made everybody want to help out. I did like that they hit on certain points during history. The part of it that I didn't necessarily like is how they made it be like... Like, there was one point, obviously, Leonardo da Vinci, he's this great inventor. He's one of the people that they end up picking up. And... They, like, he is he's the one who kind of made it possible for the reindeer to fly and the sleigh to fly. Yeah. And then he connected with the Wright brothers. Right. And it was like, oh, he just wanted to see if they could do what he did 200 years ago. Right. And then it was like, oh, we, he gave this suggestion. And it, it like, for me, it again, because I didn't like it, and talk about being cynical, because I was already, like, not enjoying the book, I was like, why? Why do you have to, why does Leonardo da Vinci have to be around for another 500 years to tell this person how to do something? Why can't they just know how to do it, too? I mean, like,
0: Merry Christmas. Like I was okay.
1: Like I was okay with King Arthur, because King Arthur is a debatable character. Where like, did he really right. exist? Right. Did not e- exist. Felix, I really enjoyed. Layla, I really enjoyed. Dorothea, right. I really enjoyed. Once you got into like the really big names in history, I was like, I just don't believe this. Like I. And I am in a very imaginative person. <laughs> and I was like, I just can't believe that Attila, Leonardo, Benjamin Franklin, and Theodore Roosevelt are going to be, like, chilling, making toys, being like, yeah, this is what we do know. Take me with you. We're going to make toys. You never know. I mean, they absolutely, they could have, the Amelia Earhart really annoyed me. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of weird, though. Like, okay, we need a new flight maybe. pattern so we got Amelia Earhart and she she asked us if her navigation person Frederick Noonan could come with us too so we staged a disappearance I'm
0: like really right. dude like there is some like really, questionable things but like I get it yeah. questionable. <laughs> there's some questionable things. Josie use your imagination
1: <laughs> there's some questionable stuff
0: come on Imagination,
1: I mean he helped <laughs> he helped write Charles Dickens, a Christmas Carol. Well he didn't
0: really she, help write it he,
1: he gave it, him the storyline. He was like, Put these together, change well, this name, do this. We're gonna publish this for you. That
0: wasn't writing it was suggestions mm-hmm. he He already had the story <laughs> written. Mm-hmm. And they suggested to do it a different <laughs> way. The suggestions are not writing the story. So, in choreography class, when we didn't <laughs> like something and we told you and we suggested to try something different, did I just redo your whole choreography?
1: No, I mean, but just you saying. also, but you also aren't writing a fake biography, taking credit for it. He didn't take credit for it, didn't he? Mm. I mean, he kind of did. He helped. I mean, he kind of takes credit. We needed to get something to get England to start believing in Christmas again. So they put me in touch with this person and I talked to him and then I told him my story and then he helped and then like
0: I don't know. Well you do know Charles Dixon <laughs> Dixon <Okay. laughs> <I'm kidding. sighs> Dickens? Dickens <laughs> He saved Christmas. There's a whole book on it. Maybe I mean, you'll I like maybe you'll like that one. Maybe.
1: Is in a is it in a movie? No, no it's not for me. <laughs> no, I mean, I did like I said, there were aspects I liked. I did really like the idea of like how they had toy shops set up all over all over, yeah, and again it it shows the research of The Times because yeah. it was like you know when they started sailing over into America. I mean, it was just the whole thing of like, oh, they saved the exploration of Chris Columbus to go to the Americas, because they were going to take all the jewels, and they're like, no, let me give you half the jewels, so you can go to America and kill everyone with your smallpox. Um, <laughs> I did I did really like the nod to Leif Erikson, though, right. when they were like, although... Four hundred years previously, Before. he was there. Yeah, the Vinland Sagas happened. I did like that nod because yeah. if people don't know the history, the Norwegians and they're or they're Scandinavians, history. they found it first. I did like the nods to it. It's when they were like full heavy into it. I was just like, ugh, eye roll. But. Like I said, I liked how they did. They created different factories, they did certain right. things. They they do a great like he does a great job of setting up the idea of how do they fund it? Right. How do they get everywhere? Right. How do you explain all the children in one night? Right. It's not in one night. And even though the war was and and religion, and I am right. like I grew up very religious I consider myself a religious and like spiritual person and even the religion was like really kind of heavy-handed for me a little bit where it felt a little bit more um propaganda-ish than like history telling in in my opinion where they were able to explain like you know like Russia like when the communists took over they took right. away religious rights so like nobody in Russia is getting presents right that takes out a huge chunk of the world if you take out Russia so it it was like really interesting like obviously the explanation of like different holidays mean different things they were like they actually were able to give gifts in the different regions on three different times of the year Right. There was some really interesting stuff. Like, I guess I didn't realize with American history, you learn, obviously, about the Mayflower coming over. Right. And, like, Jamestown and all that. And I know that they, like, the Puritans were very strict. They didn't wear color. There were certain things that they didn't follow. I did not realize that that same movement was also happening in England.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For them to have to
1: kind of, like, be a little bit more secretive with how they were celebrating.
0: Yeah. So there was some
1: stuff that I felt like I learned that maybe not so much of the story I would be like, yeah, this is historical. But I do feel like that is definitely something that I'm, like, I can take away from this where I'm, like, oh, I did not realize that about The history of like Christmas and how it came out, and like it was kind of cool to learn about like how the nativity came out and all of that. Yeah,
0: that um, the sign, the song Silent Night. Yeah, talked about that a little bit. Which his wife wrote. Which his wife kind of. (laughs) She
1: gave the first two lines. She
0: was helping. She she was helping. She inspired Uh, inspiration.
1: I mean, that actually was a really sweet part in the book. I did like that part. Yeah. They just had, like, their little little honeymoon a
0: thousand years after they got married. A thousand years. They finally had their honeymoon. Yeah. And they went I- to Mass, and Silent Night was sung for the very first time. Yeah, because the organ broke. The organ, of all things. Yeah. And it was played on a guitar or something like that.
1: Yeah. Did they say a guitar, or did they say, like, um...
0: I thought it said guitar, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. It might have.
1: For some reason, I was thinking it said, uh, what's the little one? A ukulele. It didn't say ukulele, right? No? I don't think it said ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it did say just guitar, now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think it said that. Or a mandolin. I don't know. I Yeah, it was, like, kind of cool, though, too, just to kind of see, like, the different cultures, like, the cultures that... yeah. We're really quick to grab it. Like obviously, like the Dutch were mentioned a lot about the Dutch being quick to grab it. And well,
0: and I didn't realize how much the the Dutch, the Danish, that they kind of had started Manhattan. You know, like yeah. I guess I guess like I don't have a lot of New York history. I'm not from the East Coast. Um, I can tell you probably all you want to know about Wyoming, and you know nothing <laughs> about it, but. Or not nothing, but a little bit about it. But I can tell you a lot about it. But, like, New York, like, I didn't realize their background and, you know, when it came to the the Danish and how well, the Dutch and they were doing, like, they were doing Celebrating Christmas. And they even had a ship come over that had St. Nicholas um, as the, what is that thing called? Um, It was the, the stuff bus here. Yeah, the, yeah, the bust statue busting on the front of the, ship. of the
1: ship to protect them. Um,
0: so like they really kind of took to him and his his ways as a saint, I would say. And yeah. they even had a statue of him up somewhere during that time. And I was like, oh, that's some pretty cool information about the yeah that time that time in American history.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was really fun to kind of hear the origins of all the different regions of how, yeah. like, he was Father Christmas in England, and then in Italy, it was, what was it, Bar- Barif- Barifana or something like that? Uh, something like that, yeah. And it's actually a female. Yeah. And so Layla, like, Layla, who ends up becoming his wife, she... Like, insisted that she was the one who dressed up in the robes to be there. And so, like, when we talk about the different regions and how how they did it, they all kind of felt connected to certain areas of Europe. So, Arthur felt very connected to the England, Scotland, Irish area. Attila, Um, Germany. Yeah, Germany, like, modern-day Austria that way, Belgium. And then Francis who ended up, St. Francis, ended up really getting brought into, like, Spain and Portugal, and then Nicholas and Layla, like, really fell for, like, the Italy, Rome, like, Italy, Greece, like, area, like, southern southern Europe, and they all decided to wear, like, the traditional bishop robe that Nicholas would wear with the, which is the red robe with the white fur or the white collars and stuff like yeah. that. And that's what that's why it his robe ends is up red, becoming red, what red. it is Yeah. And then it just talks about how like when they brought it over to America, how it ended up becoming like Chris Kringle and then like Chris Claus and then Santa Claus and or Santa yeah, Claus. Danish, and,
0: the Danish said it kind of funny started sounding like Santa Claus. Yeah. And then they just started saying Santa and Felix just started calling him Santa Claus or Santa all the time. And when Layton, Le- like they hadn't been with Layla, it was just him and Felix for like hundreds of years, a couple hundreds of years. Yeah. Um. In early America, and Layla and the other, some of the others come over, and Felix is like Santa, and Layla's like, "What do you call my husband?" Yeah. <laughs> um, but she liked it. She didn't have a problem with it. But she liked yeah. it. so...
1: I did like the little nod to Yellowstone.
0: I know. It's like, oh. I,
1: the other thing about it is, like, what ends up happening is when the group of people come together, because your original people are Nicholas, Felix, Layla, Attila, Dorothea, and Arthur. Right. So you have, like, the original six. And then Francis comes along a couple hundred years later. Uh-huh. And then you start getting, like, Willie's uh Skokin, Benjamin Franklin, Sarah Kemble Knight, Leonardo da Vinci, Sequoia, Teddy Roosevelt, um Daniel Boone is in there just a little bit when because he he never really becomes a part of their group, but he's like one of their helpers when he goes west. He, he helps he like tracks navigate. Stuff and helps sends back some navigation. Bill Pickett and then Amelia Earhart and Frederick Nunan um worth like those are the people who like become a part of their actual working group along with many other helpers right along the way but these are the ones who are like specifically mentioned a couple times the original six like they end up travel around for a couple centuries
0: yeah they do and they're
1: like okay the wood carvings we need to do more now they're starting to get into like gender kind of specific stuff um, Dorothea and Layla want to make dolls for the girls, and yeah. part of why they keep doing it is that even like they used to give like money and clothes and food, and then they were like, "Well, that stuff goes away, but if we give a toy, like it right. lasts longer. It lasts throughout the year. They have that Christmas joy much longer, right? Then they just, don't have like, to worry their about their next meal or until something gets worn out, and then the, they just felt or, like
0: or parents taking the money and right or, using it. or whatever
1: yeah. yeah and so they kind of end up establishing like who the different toy makers are and who the best ones because they all ultimately make toys at some point right and then it gets to a point where they're like Layla and Dorothea obviously were good at making dolls and then it was like Attila and Felix and Arthur were the ones who were like good carvers carvers yeah And then, like, Nicholas worked with, like, some clay and stuff like that to make marbles and, like, other little things. So they – you find out, like, what they end up being really good at. And then when they all go to their specific regions, they actually set up toy shops. Arthur and Attila, that's two of the things that they do is they have an actual toy shop where they hire people, make the stuff. They have, like, some type of salary for them that helps everybody else as well with the travels and with the toys and everything. So the way they have it set up, it's, it's very well thought out. So then when they expand over into America, they're like, okay, we need to set up some shops, And that's actually how you get into like Benjamin Franklin, Sarah Knight, and some of the other people. Mm-hmm. It's like they help set up and navigate and do those yeah. shops and, and kind of do what they need to do. And then there's a point there's actually several points cuz actually how Nicholas meets Attila, Arthur and ultimately Theodore Roosevelt is that he understands that he needs he needs money. help from like the political people or kind of like the people of high regard at that point yeah. to help them like with get through war zones or like get through whatever get through with money and all this different yeah. stuff. So it was like really cool to to have that idea set up and I loved I actually loved the part where Leonardo da Vinci is talking to Felix and he's like, But the North Pole would work and they're like, We're trying to discuss how to do this right now. And Felix just shuts him down and he just waits patiently. Yeah. And then later he was A like, long time
0: patiently, like it's like a I- hundred 100- it's, like, a long, like yeah, it's a long, like almost 100 years, it's a long time,
1: decades or whatever. And then he's like, Are you finally ready to listen to me now? Because I've been telling you that this would work, it's super and got
0: plans.
1: yeah. And so he pulls up these plans of how they can actually go to the North Pole and make it work. And Leonardo DiCaprio's like inventing generators before that anything Leonardo like
0: that. DiCaprio. Or,
1: yeah, I kept saying that while I was reading it. Dang it. <laughs> Da Vinci. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Every time I read the name Leonardo, I was like DiCaprio in my head, and so that's definitely for me reading it.
0: That's um, so, funny. so I have a question. <laughs> okay. David, what did you think of Felix in the marketplace with the vendor and the Bibles? Do you remember that part?
1: Felix in the marketplace with the vendor in the Bibles, like when he starts making the wood covers.
0: Yeah. And how he just like comes
1: out and negotiates right away.
0: Well, that, I mean, just like that kind of whole, like how it came about. Like, so I guess to like help people, they're in a marketplace like 1500 years ago or something like that. I don't know. He, really long time ago. And he's, they're what this guy is selling Bibles uh, or the New Testament I should say it's like books of the Bible and it's to purchase books of or you know parts of the Bible is really really expensive and this guy just has the papers and he's trying to sell them and nobody's buying them not even the rich people so Felix and Felix really is kind of like the brains of Uh the operation of like everything he really comes up with a lot of the ideas the good ideas when it comes to the business aspect and he goes up and he's like, Oh, these need covers. You'd sell some if you had some nice wood covers. Yeah. <laughs> and he like strikes a deal. Santa has no idea what's going on because they are about to run out of money. And this was the way so that they wouldn't run out of money. And they also learned that that their powers kind of went into their work. They spent all day carving like just the front covers of these wood planks to make into books and they're going to do front cover and back cover and Santa like spent part of the I don't know day and he was like oh we're never going to do this we're not going to get these 12 books done and however much time they had and Felix was like oh don't worry Santa we can do it and he tells Santa to go to sleep Santa goes to sleep and Felix works all night and when he, Santa wakes up there's like one book left and it's the one that he hadn't finished mm-hmm. and so that's part of their power is like, so not only can they travel faster when there's no they're not in a war zone but like they can do more when they really put their minds and hearts to it and work um, and they were able to do more and that's how they, first, they really started making money after they ran out of St. Nicholas's uh, what do I want to call it? His, his
1: um, portrait. I would
0: say Yeah, I was gonna say he was like, rich. He was a rich man. He's a um. He started as a yeah. rich, a rich young boy, I should say. His parents passed and he away,
1: kept, and yeah, like when his parents passed away, he he got uh bestowed with the um with the hotel and the business yeah. and the monks that he studied under to become a priest. They helped. One of them in particular actually helped. Guide him, um, run yeah. the business, and guide him to make smart investments and stuff like yeah. that. But that money lasted a couple hundred years. It, it lasted, lasted a long time. I'd so. say at least
0: 200 300 years. So yeah. maybe four hundred. But they did that, and they they carved them, and that was that's kind of one of my favorite things. But they also like ended up telling this vendor like who they were essentially, and yeah. but then they. Continued to work with this family business for a while, you know, like
1: I mean, for hundreds of years. Hundreds they, of years, yeah. They
0: kept working
1: with them when Layla had joined them too.
0: Yeah. Well, even up, did, up until like Attila and Arthur too. They were yeah,
1: because they were the they were one of the bigger investors for them to start their toy factories. Is the yeah. money that they were making through that family? Yeah. I did like that. I honestly, what I, like, you had asked me earlier, like, what my opinion of Nicholas was. And we were talking about how he's, like, a realist and cynic or whatever. Like, it was one of those things where he was just a person who was very fortunate to get the people around him that were around him. Yeah. Because, like, Layla was the one who really pushed certain things. Yeah where she was just kind of like a no nonsense like person who was mm-hmm. who was like optimistic she very much was like look on the brighter side of things right like you are saying this but this would work like you just have to look at it this way try and this like way. Yeah, like, I noticed this, like, she kind of was, like, one of those people who wouldn't always come right out and, like, say something against her husband, but if he brought it up, she's like, yeah, I've been thinking about this, and this is my idea behind it, and he mm-hmm. respected her enough to listen to her, and he was like that with all of his company, which is why yep. it worked so well. Worked. Yeah. Um. But really, like you just said, like, he was not really the smart one in the group, <laughs> Like he was really like what made him really smart is surrounding himself with with the people that he surrounded himself with, because, I mean, he's almost willing to give up some things pretty easily. Yeah, there are times that he's like, like, "Eh, "It's not going to work. All right, we're just not going to do it." And Felix or Layla would just kind of be like, "Not so fast. This is what we're
0: going to. do. We're going to find a way." Yeah,
1: and those two characters really drove some of the stuff to be like no we should do it this way we should ask this person we should do this like this yeah. should happen so it was kind of cool to like kind of have that aspect of it right I just yeah so I did like that because I and I feel like there were some other times where Felix was very much that person too he
0: was like I think a few times like where especially like when money was starting to run low it was Money was about to run low. Like they're gonna maybe make it through the week with hotel or lodging and food. And I, Felix was like, "Well, how long is it gonna last?" And Sam was like, "I don't know, maybe a week or whatever." And F- Felix has to eat. Yeah, Felix and Nicholas
1: are both a little uh tight around the belt. They're they're, they're both a little, a little plump.
0: They're, they're plump they like to eat and um but Felix does not like like even if he had breakfast that morning he's start you know like mm-hmm. he's starving by the afternoon and that's just who he kind of is so when he had the opportunity to brainstorm and find a a way for them to make money that's what he did like mm-hmm. you know like St. Nicholas was just kind of like I don't know what we're going to do so so Felix was like, Well, I see I see what we're gonna do. And then Santa Claus was like, What did you get us into? Yeah. That's what I thought was funny, was he was like, What did you do? We can't do this. And Felix was <laughs> like, We got it. Don't worry. Go to yeah. sleep. Take a nap. I got this. And he did. <laughs> yeah, definitely.
1: He was he's definitely the resourceful one of the two. Definitely. Well, who who was your favorite character?
0: don't know i i really like felix because he's kind of snarky to santa just like the tenant tongue in cheek moments that he has with him i really like that i also really like layla like i love her like optimism i love her supportiveness to santa um i also really loved her ideas that she would have you know like mm mm-hmm she was definitely kind of like a kind of like the perfect person for that Santa Claus, you know, because sometimes he didn't have faith in himself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just need that person to like have the faith in you. And she was that person for him, because I think he I think St. Nicholas had a lot like he he had this grand idea and it was such a big idea that he wanted to help all children all over the world. Mm-hmm. That he just didn't know how to do it. And that hurt. That kind of hurt his heart, I think. Yeah. And I think sometimes he had a lot of that burden on him. He get put a lot of that burden on himself. And she found ways to help take that away from him. Yeah. I could see that.
1: She She was a really good character. I did really like her character. I like how it was written... I liked that she was very independent and, like, yes. not of her time, but also at the same time just, like, very respectful of yeah. of her relationship with him and just wanting to make sure that, like, she was supportive and just yeah. pushed him where he needed to be pushed. And she, I mean, she had some sass, too, because they oh, did, yeah. like, they talked a lot about Santa's weight and everything. Jeez. Like, she would just be like, stop eating
0: you, you don't need that second round yeah, or third yeah.
1: helping of fried chicken or whatever right. it was. Stop asking Worth to make you snacks. You don't yeah. need them. My So my two favorite characters, and I'm going to say them in, in the order that I like them in, are not, like, necessarily in... They're definitely in most of the book. They don't necessarily have like, direct action in the entire Mm -hmm. book. But I really liked Dorothea, and I really liked Attila. Um, Dorothea was Attila's wife. Right. And she did not talk a lot, but I felt like every time she said something, it was just so smart. It was so clever. And it was the same thing, where it was just really kind of, like, no nonsense. Like, I could see why somebody... As capable as Attila would pick her as, like, a life partner. Yeah. And I liked how her and Layla just immediately got along so well. Yeah. And it was never, like, this jealousy. Like, there was never, like, this quality where you read a lot about women characters interacting with each other. There was never, like, a cattiness or, like, anything between them. It was just, like, we're all here for the same cause. Yeah. And... I liked that she, like, would put stuff out there. And, she like, she was very optimistic at the same time. And um, there was even one part where, like, before Attila decides to go with him, like, he talks about it with his wife. And they decide to do it. And she's like, let's do this. Yeah. And so it's – you can tell that she's really kind of, like, the brains between the two of them. Yes. And then I just like Attila where – he's kind of, like, he's Attila the Hun, he's kind of barbaric kind of person, Yeah, but he has a lot of heart in him Mm -hmm. that you actually get to see, because, and he even says, like, part of the reason why he wants to join the cause is he's sick of always causing destruction, and he really wants to be a part of something good, Yeah, that nobody really looks at him and thinks of, like, good things, they just think of like, war, destruction, and bad stuff about him, and I do like how, um, like, the secret of how he, like, gets away is, yeah, like, he tells his one commander, like, this, is, we're, tell everybody this, and this is what's gonna happen, and, like, uh-huh. they, he yeah. has the respect that, of that person, enough to like for them to actually follow it and do it and then I liked how they kind of like heard about themselves through history and how he would kind of like get offended so he's still like a little hot headed he still has it in him yeah like him and Arthur would like fight a lot like about like strategy and not just even like of war or whatever they would just be like we need to go this way no we need to go this way and it's like yeah you know so it was still just like that strategist inside of him yeah that's kind of there so I did, like, I did like those two characters. I don't know, like, do you have anything else? I mean, there's a lot of stuff there's that we didn't cover. There. Like, always. There's always, no, so much, like, there's yeah. never enough time. Because we didn't get into Washington Irving. We didn't get into Clement Moore writing Twas the Night Before Christmas. Which I, there was a really tender moment with Santa Claus where it mentioned for years and years after the poem... 'Twas the night before Christmas was written. Hit Clement Moore's house was always the very last stop. Yeah, and, and he, he always, out there. yeah, he would hang out there, and he always wow. made a point to hang out with him and have some cocoa and cookies, and yeah, make sure that everybody had a a gift and everything, and yeah. And there's the story of Virginia. Is the there really a, yeah? Is there really a, is Santa Claus real? Um, so there was a lot of stuff that we didn't really get to cover, so... There's a lot. Go read it. Make your own opinion. I might just be in a bad place where I don't have Christmas spirit yet. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, (laughs) I enjoyed it, so I think you read it. Yeah. Maybe maybe do audiobook. I don't... I don't know. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe. I mean
1: like you said earlier there's 25 chapters or 24 chapters read a chapter every night with your family or with your child or for yourself like read read a chapter I will say like there was some stuff that like reading I read it on my kindle yeah and there was some illustrations in it and there was some parts where like kind of threw me off a little bit let me see if I can find it They would talk about um, certain things. And so there would be like an illustrated picture right before chapter 24. So in chapter 23, the whole chapter is about Theodore Roosevelt. And kind of their expansion west and how all these people do something. And then... So like right at the end of the chap of this particular chapter, they had just created the North Pole, and right. it talks about how they showed around the facility. They showed everything, and then they go into the paint into the office for Saint uh, for Santa, and Leonardo's like so excited, and he like looks at this painting that he did of Layla, and he's like it's um he's like I think this one of Layla is much better than the Mona Lisa. And then it goes down a little bit, and then it's like um, Layla nudged me with her elbow. Elbow, actually, she poked me rather sharply. Thank Leonardo, she commanded in a whisper. And then he goes on, and then Leonardo's like, "Is this is this place all right?" He's like, "It's better than all right. It's home. After all these centuries, after all our wandering, we finally have a home of our own." And then it shows this illustration. Of a cowboy grabbing a bull by its horns, taking him down, and it gives this paragraph that says, "Before I could say more, Bill vaulted over the fence. The bull charged almost faster than eyes could see. Bill grabbed the bull's head, bit his lip, and twisted his arm. And the big, in the bull flopped over the ground." And that's how the chapter ends. And then it goes into chapter um.
0: twenty-four. I don't think that was in my book, on my audio book.
1: Yeah, so they like, did this the, at the they did this at the end of almost every chapter where there was an illustration, there was a paragraph of a
0: couple sentences, and then it went into the next chapter. So like it ended with like this is home or whatever that is. Yeah. But the thing about Bell and the bull charging at him, biting the. No, it repeats mm-hmm. later. Right, okay, so I was like, at
1: point. So it gives you, yeah, so it gives you the, that little paragraph, and then the next chapter is Happy Christmas to All, and then it talks about, more about Theodore Roosevelt, dates, when they came in, everybody coming over, Theodore Roosevelt finally was allowed to join them in, ni- yeah, in 1919, and then they're like, talking about all this different stuff, they take him up to the North Pole and then they talk about all of this flight and everything and the, like the types of toys. And then they talk about how they think they need to get this like they have Worth come up and he's now the cook. Right. Which is like and they talk about how they need a, a cowboy. And then they go in and talk about they how they need a cowboy and he suggests Bill Bill Pickett And then they go into all of that, and then they repeat the paragraph of Bill Pickett and that whole scene of, like, the bowl, and then this is how we, like, get into it and meet him. So they did that a lot. So, like, the first couple chapters when they did that, I was like, is my book, like, out of order? This is so weird. That is weird. So there was some of that, too, where I feel like maybe if you listen to it by audio – it's more streamlined. It doesn't take you out of it and then put you back into it. I just yeah. feel like that was an, a really odd choice as an author.
0: Definitely. Like the audio, yeah. I would say, not audio, but the um layout. It is weird. Yeah.
1: I would not really say that I would recommend this book outright. Mm-hmm. I would not be like, oh, you guys need to read this book. If a conversation about holiday books came up, I might be like, oh, this is an interesting read. Get it on audio, maybe. But I I would not say I would
0: recommend this book. Okay. <laughs> I would suggest it to two people already, but we were just talking books anyways. But we weren't talking holiday books. We were just talking books. and Yeah. So um, I would suggest it just because... <laughs> Which is great. So,
1: that's fantastic. That's fantastic. <laughs> Sheila,
0: what have you pulled from your bookshelf? So, I have done Girl, Stop Apologizing, which I did not really care for. No. No. I don't think I'm a Rachel Hollis fan. But And then I did, it's called The Mystery of Alice by Lee Bacon, and it was one of my two free ones from Audible. Uh huh. For one month, I don't know which month it was. Probably last month. Um, and it's like a young adult book. I really enjoyed that. It's kind of a little mystery. Um, kind of a fun little listen. And then I'm currently listening to. It's called Carnival Row, Tangle in the Dark, and this one is actually like, a new Amazon TV show. Mm-hmm. um, Like, with the, oh, yeah, the Fairy. So, and that was another Audible download that I got for free. So, I feel like I've done something else, but I don't remember. My book club we're going to read for January, Once Upon a River, which is by Diane Sutterfield, which I've already read, but I plan on reading again, because it's, like, could Because it's Diane Sutterfield, she has such in-depth stories that mm. I know that I will pick up something that I missed before. Oh, yeah. Definitely. That's it for now, I think. I feel like there was something else, but I don't remember what it was. <laughs> besides this book. Besides the book we just finished talking about. What yeah. about you,
1: Josie? Um, I read... I can't remember if I told you this last time. I did read Witches When the Hammer Fell, which I think was book seven or eight of the Witches When series. Mm -hmm. Um, I read Gods of Olympus. Gods of Olympus was really fun. It was a Kindle Unlimited book that I found, and it's very much like a create-your-own-adventure And I actually read this on the plane ride home from one of my trips. I can't remember which one. And I read probably about eight different stories. Because even, like, with the Kindle, it, like, pushes you through and it, like make your choices here and so there would be times where I would go back and make a different choice and like right. some of the stories end really abruptly and quick and some of them take you through but it's um it's kind of a fun little story just about like this person who meets um some of the different gods from Mount Olympus and then I read which is when my heart broke and then I read stay sexy and don't get murdered mm. And then I listened to The Things They Carried which was amazing. One of my old roommates, she was one of my first roommates in Chicago. She has been telling me for at least a decade to read this book. Uh-huh. And I saw it randomly on Audible so I used my credit, one of my free credits for it. Brian Cranston read it. It's so beautiful. It's Like, heartfelt, there were points where I just, like, wanted to cry, and there's points where you're just kind of, like, laughing, and you almost feel like, should I be laughing at this, but it actually is just, like, legitimately funny, but it's, um, if you guys don't know, like, Timothy O'Brien, he writes about Vietnam, Uh Um, and this is uh, about a group in Vietnam Um, and then I listened to My Lost Family, which was a really interesting, it was one of those free Audible originals, like monthly
0: things. That's on my, that's one of the ones that I downloaded. I have not listened to it. I have My Lost Family, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was, it was good. It was really interesting just to kind of see the times and how everything was. And then I also listened to Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow. I have sent this book to no joke probably six people it was so good jaw dropping there was literally points that just made me like so upset and so sad and it's um if you don't know it the full title is lies spies and espionage to get a story or something like that and it's Mm -hmm. actually um Ronan Farrow it's his story of how he helped break the Harvey Weinstein case, um, case, but then it also, it actually also goes into a big part of like the NBC scandal with Matt Lauer and a bunch of other stuff. And it seriously is like, Oh my gosh, I have seriously said this to so many people.
0: This kid is amazing in his, dedication to research and and like getting the truth out as a journalist yes. he's spot on in what he's been doing because not Everything, only did right not only the NBC but um and the Weinstein what was the other one that that just happened like this last spring um that- Epstein there
1: Epstein. was Weinstein Epstein Lauer.
0: yeah so but he's, it's
1: like The people he knows, like, he's, if you don't know who Ronan Farrow is, he's Mia Farrow and Woody Allen's son.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. He, like, everything is fact-checked. He worked for MSNBC. He worked for NBC News. The story eventually ended up breaking. His story ended up eventually breaking with The New Yorker. Yeah. The New Yorker absolutely would not like, post anything or edit, like, release anything unless it was fact-checked. Everything is 100% fact-checked. Yeah. So, I've been a huge Rose McGowan fan since Charmed. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of her movies. I was heartbroken when she first started coming out with her stuff, and she basically got blacklisted from Hollywood. And she is one of the main people who for years and years and years has been one of the first people who actually spoke out about Weinstein Right, and to hear like her side of it and just like how defeated her and some of these other women are mm-hmm. and then like how hopeful they try to be but how defeated they still are and then like I don't want to give away too much it's such an important book for people to listen to like if you think you know the Harvey Weinstein Matt Lauer story you don't There's seriously things that, like, Matt Lauer does that I feel like is almost worse than Harvey Weinstein. And, like, like, it's so bad. I feel like I have a pretty high tolerance for things. Being a true crime lover... Hearing the cases that I've heard, the things that I've heard, like, I have a very high tolerance for things. And, like, stuff that was brought up in this book literally just made me so sick to my stomach. And it just was, like, this is why this movement is so important. Right. And then it just makes me think of, like, thankfully, thankfully, me and my friends have never dealt with anything on the level that these women have dealt with. Right like this is like a media industry like the restaurant industry is like so bad
0: yeah. and
1: knowing just what like me and my friends have had to put up with working with some of the men that we have nothing current thankfully but in the past like it just is so heartbreaking and right so just to have that Like, what I've gone through and then hearing that, it's, like, so, so heartbreaking. So important. People need to, like, read this book and listen to this book. It's crazy. And then I just downloaded and started listening to No Country for Old Men.
0: Oh.
1: And then I started reading. So I listened to that, like, to and from work if I'm not listening to a podcast, which I've been listening to podcasts. And then the book that I've started reading is called Light from Other Stars.
0: I feel like I know something about that one, but I don't know where.
1: I told you about this when I got was it because it? it was like oh, their maybe that sale, was it, well, like their Labor Day weekend sale. We oh, okay. About it, and I got it then.
0: I still feel like I saw or read something about it. You, I think you did. I can't remember. Too yeah. many books out there, not enough time. I know. <sighs> All so, right. So yes,
1: yeah, so that's what I've
0: that's what I've pulled from my bookshelf. I've been a little busy. I haven't been able to read as much. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. You just mentioned like twenty bucks
1: And well, you mentioned a lot of books too. So.
0: Only like three. <laughs> mm, no, like so. I said, I feel like I have something else that I forgot about. I can't remember if I told you I re- I did, on our last episode. I did. Well, I don't know if I told you on the last episode because I don't remember. But I did do, the Darkest Night, which is the story about two girls from my hometown that were, um, one was murdered, and yeah, one, well, the that. other was attempted murder. I grew up with the story. the the youngest that did die, she had gone to my elementary school, like the the story of these children affected basically my whole life. Like my parents were like, don't ever get in a car with a stranger cuz you're going to get yeah. and ra- you're going to get raped and murdered I mean l- yeah murdered kind of what
1: was... Wrong, I asked my means. parents about it, because growing up in a really small town, like, if you're into true crime at all, you hear the people who are like, I grew up in a small town in the 70s and 80s. We never locked our doors. We never did this. I did not grow up like that, right. <laughs> even being in a small town. We locked everything. We shut everything yeah. like, ev- like tenfold. And I actually, when I was back home, I asked my parents if they remembered this case. My mom did not, but I feel like it absolutely shaped how she looked at like talking to strangers and and locking everything and what we did along with the fact that she's a true merino OG. she loves like unsolved <laughs> mysteries and all that stuff right i i mean i grew up watching all that stuff with her but um my dad vaguely remembered it so i definitely like it wasn't as impactful as you but I think it was definitely probably in
0: the back of their heads at some point yeah like they were like they give the address in the book and I still haven't googled it but I'm like that street is a street down from the street I grew up on and it's probably only three maybe four blocks away from my house so I mean it was like right there it was actually home. Yeah, I do have that downloaded. I
1: can't wait to listen to it. You
0: need to because I have plans at some point for us for that.
1: Okay. (laughs) I have plans. I hope we have other plans with it too, but that's a whole other thing. I do have, I did, so I downloaded that one and I did download The Guardians by John Grisham. Um, which I heard was also really good, so that's that's high up on my list too, and I downloaded a couple other ones that I'm excited a couple of the free ones from Audible and stuff that I've downloaded, yeah. so okay, so announcing the next book, are you Yay, ready Tell me we're starting the new year, nice and heavy, <laughs> fabulous no, um, we are going to be reading. Dreaming in German by Claudia Poser. Okay. So get ready for that one. It's a memoir, so I'll just I'll warn you now it's a it's a memoir. Okay. I won't get into it too much, but this is a recommendation. Okay. All right. So go go get that book. Also, Sheila, just for you, when you're looking at it, it is a Kindle Unlimited. That's not why I picked this. That was just a really happy coincidence. Yeah,
0: that is awesome. Um, Yeah.
1: So this was a recommendation. So I'm excited to read this. Well, awesome. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Check us out on all the social medias. (laughs) Facebook, Instagram. You can also email us. Email us book recommendations likes dislikes feedback whatever you would like at potheads who read at gmail.com uh you can find us at facebook and instagram under those same names and now sheila now i can say it now you can say it
0: (laughs) go crack a book open
1: and thank you for reading with us Bye. bye